Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 174 with Bill Sheeman. Bill is talking all about being fulfilled, and you'll learn one, three factors essential for career fulfillment, two, how to find fulfillment within your current situation, and three, processes to map out your goal fulfillment. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we reference here, you'll find it over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep174. And while you're there, I'd encourage you to check out some of our cool stuff. In particular, I'd recommend right now the little magnifying glass right there in the navigation bar. You can click it. You can search the full transcripts of all 174 episodes to find the insight you require for your current career situation. Now, here's Bill's story. Bill Sheeman is principal and CEO of Metris Group, specializing in strategic performance measurement, organization alignment, and talent optimization. He's authored numerous books and articles on talent management and has served as the chairman of the Society for Human Resources Management Foundation. Here is Bill. Bill, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. I'm glad to be here and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, first, I want to get your personal take on what makes you feel fulfilled. And I hope you can hear the exclamation point I put in there per the book. I like that. I like that explanation. <laughs> I think what makes me feel fulfilled is living a, a sense of purpose, you know, having a purpose in my life and uh, being able to help others grow value, which is what I do in my, my role. And whether it's individuals or corporations, I feel like I get up every day and that's what I'm doing. So, you know, probably my best way to characterize it would be living your dream. And for me, I probably appreciated this the older I get is, you know, my doing and my being all I can be uh, maybe is a simple way to say it. Very good. Well, and so you've really unpacked some of these concepts in your work and your book, Fulfilled. So I'd love to sort of maybe break that down a little bit in terms of, you know, what are really the primary drivers of fulfillment in a work sense and, and also just more broadly in life? It was really interesting is that a good deal of time I've spent in my life working with companies has been looking at, so, you know, what do you really need from people to be successful? And we discovered three things, which was people who are aligned, people who are capable, and people who are engaged with their work. And I then had an incident going back about 10 years with a client of mine who developed stage four pancreatic cancer. And uh, she's actually the opening story in the book, Fulfilled Critical Choices, a Work, Home, and Life that I just completed. And she ended up surviving. And uh, I was shocked. I mean, she was somebody who never gave up and we're sitting in a cafe on the Upper West Side of New York a few years back. And she says, sitting over coffee with me, I want to thank you for saving my life. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And she said, you know, you worked with my company and you provided help in going through this transformation that we did. And when I got the cancer, I said, why couldn't I apply many of these same things to my personal life. And 
she did. And she ended up using tools like planning and balancing out diet, balancing out exercise, balancing out medicine, alternative medicine, traditional medicine, a lot of very interesting mixes, a lot of measurement about pain and being able to measure progress. And in the end, very successful story uh, of somebody who survived. But it started us on this research. And lo and behold, after interviewing hundreds of people, these same three factors came up of alignment, capabilities, and engagement in a slightly different way. So, you know, people who are feeling that the job and the work is aligned with their values and with their career or life fulfillment, really important. Feeling that they're going to work and they're growing, that they're developing capabilities, not just for what the company needs or a job, but that they're growing things for their portfolio of skills in their life. And then feeling in some way that they're leveraging their passion, their engagement, that I really get excited about stuff that, you know, that I do at work. And when those three are there, that's when you see this great pop that occurs. In, and we've all seen it in organizations when the organization and the employee are just simpatico together. Oh, that's excellent. And so then I'm thinking about the individual employee level in terms of that being aligned and capable and engaged. I'm imagining this kind of unfolds on two dimensions, perhaps. The first is, hey, right here, right now, wherever you are, whatever your role is, there are some things you can do to boost some of that alignment, capability, and engagement. And then there's also some more macro zoomed out perspective in terms of, well, where do I really belong in terms of role and employers and such? So could you share with us a few of the best tips, tools, approaches, insights we can use to boost, first of all, our experience right where we are? Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of where you are currently, you've got to decide, you know, am I in the right place? Is this something that's on my life path? And that could be a fairly permanent thing that I'm on a career trajectory. I'm doing, I'm going to law school on my route to um, a goal of becoming a judge at some point in my life or a prominent attorney. It could also be that I'm doing something currently that earns money because that's what I need to do and it's on my path to or a bridge between something else. So I have a niece, for example, who took a year off, earned money, knew she wanted to go back to become a physical therapist, but traveled and taught English and paid off some college loans, but saw it as a path or at least a way to gain some experiences before going back to that serious study. So I think it can, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. I think part of it is, are your values aligned? Are you feeling really comfortable? And if they're not, uh, having conversations with your boss or talking about things we can do in the workplace that makes it more engaging. Maybe I need uh, more flexibility in my schedule or, gee, I'd really like a chance to innovate and to bring more ideas. Is there a way I can begin doing that? And it's interesting. We talk to managers and very often they're very open to ideas and employees just aren't approaching them. I mean, obviously, we've all had managers that aren't very approachable, but many of them just are busy and they don't necessarily go out of their way to say, do you have a great idea this week? But boy, when you have a good idea, it's a great chance to bring it up. 
Oh, I like that. So I think sometimes there's a fear associated with, I don't want to be that needy complainer and sort of like I am less of a team player or whatever I'm entitled or any number of kind of fearful motivators that prevent folks from asking. And and you're saying in your experience, most managers, most of the time are happy and would appreciate these things being brought to their attention. Yeah. Let me share one secret that I probably learned later in life, but I think in my interviews with all of these hundreds of fulfilled and not fulfilled people and looking at what makes a difference, one of the big ones was finding a mentor, and not just one mentor, often two or three mentors in life. And it was interesting in in talking to the managers, many of them were very open. In fact, kind of tickled that somebody would ask them to be a mentor for them in life or for their career. So, you know, you can think about a mentor in the career, a mentor or two on the career side. Who do you talk to about you know, job advice or my next move or what I should be doing or how I make my life, you know, more engaging or my work more engaging. And then you can have them in other parts of life, you know, relationships or for hobbies. And it's funny, I think going to a manager or supervisor often and saying, hey, you know, are you willing to mentor me? Are you willing to help me think this through? I really think a lot of you, you've got great experience. Most of them will be incredibly flattered and will begin going out of their way to help you or provide ideas or suggest a training or something you could do that'll help you take the next step. Absolutely. That's great to hear. And so then I'm thinking even before you maybe have that clarity on you want to go in a particular path and you're going to seek out maybe tweaks in the environment or particular guides and mentors to get in somewhere. Could you share some perspective on getting to the bottom of what's you're really all about or what opportunities would be the optimal fit in the first place? Yeah, I think one of the things that's really important is take some time off. We all get caught up so much in day to day and and you end up in uh, on sort of a treadmill that we don't turn off and think about, gee, you know, do I want to be on that treadmill or do I want to be on an elliptical or should I be out biking or whatever it is, whatever your favorite analogy is. I think that that time out to stop and think about what's a dream for me. If I could be in my ideal world, what would I be doing? Given the skills I have, given the interests, what would really be fun? So one of the things we encourage people to do is create a map, draw a picture of several long-term goals that you'd like to have in your life, things that would really bring fulfillment. Maybe it's a combination of career, a combination of relationships, or family issues, or a hobby you might have, or something spiritual, and lay those out. And then look at the map between where you are today and how you would get there. What might be what we call lighthouse goals? So lighthouse goals would be, these are things I could aim for two, three, four years out. It's much more concrete than, gee, where I might want to be 10 or 30 years down the road. And we don't, you know, captain doesn't aim to hit the lighthouse, the captain uses the lighthouse as a guide to get to the harbor. And lighthouse goals are great to set up as something I need to do, you know, in that short term period. And and then what are the activities today that I might do that are best going to help me in that direction? And Pete, one of the biggest challenges is time. You know, we all have 
you know, 24 hours a day, person who invents something differently will have a definite advantage. Mm. But the question is, you know, how do we allocate it? If you take out sleep and what we call hygiene factors, eating and so on, all the things we do, it's about a third of your week. And actually in total hours, when you add it all up, it comes close to half. And if you take work out of that as 40 to 60 hours, the question is what's remaining in your time? You probably have 24 to 44 or so hours a week. And what you do with that really makes a difference. You got to decide whether, you know, how much time you're playing a game or how much time you're taking a course or studying. But that's a limited amount of time and requires some important choices. Absolutely. Well, and so I'd love to hear as you're working with folks, what are some choices that have frequently come to light with regard to, oh my goodness, I am under-investing in this and I'm over-investing in that. I think when you start to look at the blocks of time, and we talk about six areas in people's lives. So you have this basic hygiene, which by the way, should include good health and doing the exercise and nurturing our bodies as part of that. But it's family time, it's my career and job, it's social, it's spiritual, it's educational. And when you map out, it's worth taking a week, a typical week out of your life and mapping out where the time goes and looking at that balance. And if it's becoming too much and you're not feeling fulfilled from it, then you've got to think about how to rebalance that. It may be that you've been working on a crazy project at work and you're starting to feel burned out with it. You've got to find some ways to put the brakes on that and, you know, reallocate a little bit of time. Talk to your boss, maybe get a little bit of relief from that and then come back fresh. Or it may be that you're saying, gee, I'm, you know, putting in minimal at work, but I really haven't been getting ahead. I'm not necessarily being considered for a new opportunity I'd really love. Do I have to redouble my effort and put a little bit more into that sector of my life? So I think it gives us a segment of balance and are we really living the balance we want in that life? All right. And so I'd love to hear what might be some telltale signs that there is a out of balance situation unfolding. I think you mentioned the burnout story, which is common and you see, okay, a lot of hours at work and feeling less motivated by work and more tired, burnt out. So what might be some other indicators that, ooh, it looks like we're overdoing it or underdoing it on a key dimension? Well, you know, listen to others. If you have a significant other in your life who's telling you, I never see you, or you have children who you're never there for, I had too many stories of the people we interviewed who talked about missing critical years of their kids growing up or not being at a a major event. Part of that's the balance of thinking about, you know, the long term here. Sometimes that one report isn't the be-all and end-all of the world. And there's other times when it's really important to say, hey, you know, we got a critical thing going on at work and I'm willing to put in the, the all-nighter or put in the, the extra hours that week to make it happen. But I think when it happens to become a regular thing, we talk to people who, you know, commute uh, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, you know, for two hours each way each day and and all of a sudden they change jobs or they have an early retirement and they somehow get this four hours back in their life and they're like shocked, like what happened? <laughs> so I think we need to take those timeouts when our body is feeling fatigued, when we're feeling just mentally down, you're not feeling like 
excited to go in on Monday morning to say what's going on and and really have a, an open and honest conversation with yourself about those symptoms, not being able to exercise, not being able to work out and feeling not healthy, feeling sluggish, saying I don't have time to do it. And then, you know, you see a friend have a heart attack at 38 or 40 and say, gee, maybe that balance was really good for me, if not physically, also mentally. Yes, absolutely. And so then I'd love to get your take then. You've got some perspectives when it comes to this map by doing a little bit of measuring out progress and adjusting to bumps real time as they unfold. How does that work out tactically? I think laying out the map allows you to list your activities today and begin to say, how much time should I be devoting to them? So let's say I'm going to school part-time or I'm getting an MBA at night or an engineering degree. Am I putting in the right amount of time for that? And you know, if I'm dragging out something over 15 years because I'm not putting enough time in, I could be taking two courses instead of one or not taking that much time off between I really like to get this job. I'd really like to be able to get in this field. Then you got to be willing to put the time in for that and balance it and give up time on other things. And that might mean, you know, for me in college, it was giving up playing cards more. It was giving up my time with my band. And I had fun and I could rebalance, but I had too much time going into some things that really weren't moving my goals ahead in life. So I think it's having the goals mapping them back to what your activities are today and then thinking about that balance and knowing that today's balance might not be the same as where I need to be three years from now and be willing to continuously rebalance. It's good every six months or year to pull out a sheet of paper and lay out that balance again and say, am I really happy with that? And I'd also like to get your take when it comes to establishing these goals. I think some folks find that they are in an unfortunate position of having wanted something for a very long time, then getting there and realizing, oh, this isn't really great at all. (laughs) Whoops. So any perhaps preemptive warnings you might offer for setting up wise goals and light posts in the first place to not befall that fate? Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of people start out with a, you know, especially early on, you're in school and certain professions sound, you know, glamorous or interesting, or I'm going to do this because it pays a lot of money and you get into it or you begin to get into it. I mean, I knew people going to law school thinking how cool it was going to be being a lawyer or med school and they get in there and they'd hate it. They'd hate the classes or they'd hate certain aspects. And there's a point where you got to say, You know, even though maybe my parents wanted me to do this or it sounded really interesting on paper, you know, I don't like litigation or I don't like the level of study or reading that I do with law classes and do something else. So I think that happens, but it happens along the way in life, too. You know, as people say, yeah, I'd like to be a manager. It may sound good. It's going to be a promotion. Maybe I'll make more money. But there's people who really just don't like managing and sort of guiding other people or providing feedback and doing some of those skills that are not necessarily fit for everyone. So I think, you know, you've got to look back at those and experiment. I love experimentation. I think it's one of the things that in our interviews with people, they said they didn't do enough. These were interviews with people over 40, over 50, who kind of looked back on their life and said, you know, I didn't experiment enough. I should have taken some chances. 
taking some risks. You know, even when they failed, I learned a lot. I grew from it. And then I turned the corner and I did something else. And, and most of the risks that I took, they would tell me, you know, the bottom I would fall is not that far. And so taking those chances, I would encourage people to do that, learn, but then be willing to take a turn in the road if it's not working out for you or you're not happy with it. Okay. And then Bill, tell me, is there anything else you want to make sure to mention before we talk about some of your favorite things? I think values are really important. I think ending up in an organization and working someplace and with a boss or peers who have values you respect and values you can share, I think that's really important. I think a lot of people come back later and say, you know, I was unhappy for a long time. I didn't like the ethics or I didn't like the style of the organization. I didn't like some of the way they put priorities on things. You know, you've got to think about that business. If you're in a service oriented business and you're not a big person on serving, that's probably not the place for you. And you're going to feel like a fish out of water in that environment. So I put a big premium on on values. Okay, thank you. Well, now can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Yeah, I like one of the quotes by Pablo Picasso, the great painter. He says, every now and then one paints a picture that seems to have opened a door and serves as a stepping stone to other things. And I like it because it's the door of possibilities and try to paint some different pictures in your life. And and some of those pictures you all of a sudden really fall in love with. And unless you paint them, you'll never know that. All right. Thank you. And how about a favorite study or experiment or a bit of research? I'm very enamored with the work around fulfillment and around engaging people. And I think some of the early work, and maybe it's a combination of the work plus the book that resulted from it is Stephen Covey's work on seven habits of highly effective people. I think that uh, has a lot of enduring qualities. He's borrowed on some things that other people have come up with, but I think it carries a lot of uh, life lessons to it. Oh, sure thing. And how about a favorite tool, something that you use and helps you flourish at work? Sure. And by the way, another, just before we leave book, I'd say one of the books that certainly shaped me was uh, Atlas Shrugged. I don't like a lot of Ayn Rand's other material, but that one, I guess, motivated me to think about value, which is one of my big nuggets, I guess, in life is growing value. And just about anything by Margaret Atwood, because I think it opens up the human drama that is in everyone in different ways, but I think it brings out that human drama. Oh, cool. Tools uh, for me and my hobbies. I'm a gardener, and uh, one of my favorite gardening tools is my spade because I spend time with the earth and it. Yeah, I like to grow things, and so uh, that's my favorite. In terms of my business tool or tool at, at my career, it's probably been the mapping that I talked about. Is using that map to constantly keep looking at where true north is for me. Oh, thank you. And how about a habit, a personal practice? Personal practice is probably my exercise. I try to do five days a week and I, you know, I do some stretching and other things other every day. But I think the exercise and and I'm not one of these people to do extremes. I never was a marathon runner, but I ran for over 30 years until my had trouble with my ankle. But it was getting out, you know, 30, 45 minutes a day. And I think it was not only physically good, but it was just good for mental and reducing stress. All right. And would you say there's a particular nugget or piece that you share, a Bill original, that really makes people nod their heads and take notes? 
to me, it's my mantra is probably grow value. And um, I think as the world's tightened up and in my speeches and programs I do, I talk a lot about the fact that the world's not going to get any slower and that competition is not going to be any less. Today, we're competing with everyone and our companies are, you have to have a differentiator. You have to be good at something. And Whatever team you're on, it has to win. But at the end of the day, the question is, will people ask for you personally? Are you growing value? Do you have new skills? Are you keeping up with changes that are out there? And if you're not doing that, then you're not growing. Uh, I've seen too many people at work get left behind. I've seen too many people in relationships get left behind with a partner or someone who says, you know, I've moved on and the other partner just didn't continue to grow. So I think growing value and asking yourself that every day is really important. Okay. And Bill, if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? They can get a hold of my website, which has the books on it, which is W Scheman, W-S-C-H-I-E-M-A-N-N.com. And also we have a Facebook page where you can share your stories, post your stories, and it's at fulfilled.criticalchoices. And we try to keep new articles and information there on a regular basis. Okay. And Bill, do you have a final challenge or call to action that you'd issue to folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, I think it's go make a difference. You know, many people talk about it and say, you know, I want to make a difference. The question is, ask yourself every day, are you making a difference? And one thing I love that I heard someone tell me years ago is think of every day, try to have one adventure. It might be a small adventure, but try to have one adventure every day. Think of something going on that you're learning or something that's interesting. Kind of reach out and make that adventure occur every day. Oh, beautiful. Well, Bill, thanks so much for taking this time. And I wish you lots of luck and enjoyment and fulfillment in all the things you're up to. Thank you, Pete. Thanks for having me. I really dig the perspective about mapping it out when it comes to the goals and the activities. It seems kind of clear that we should probably be doing this and it's kind of common sense, but I by no means think it's common practice. And it was fact, it was a wake up call for me to go ahead and map out some of those components in terms of what are the steps I need to be taking now? And then realizing, oops, I need an extra dose of protecting some time for those things and for saying no to some other things to make it happen. So I hope you found that handy. And again, if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we reference here, You'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep174. And I hope you'll push subscribe so you'll catch folks like our next guest. Well, first, for the 3rd of July, when many people are not working or commuting, I've got a little solo episode talking about the two questions that improve every decision. Hope that's intriguing. And then afterwards, we are going to hear from Sarah Canaday. She's got some brilliance when it comes to talking blind spots how to find them and prevent them and keep on cruising well in a nice upward career trajectory. So I hope to catch you then. And peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.